Whatever it is you want to do in life, you'll be able to do. It's always you versus you. That it doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, you can achieve anything that you set your mind to. Spend the rest of your natural life waking up and going after it. This is my purpose, and you will not stop me. You are listening to Mojo Sports. Yeah, hello and welcome to Mojo Sports, the NRL show, episode 8. My name is Dan Frost, and as always, I'm supported by the best panel in the business tonight. Uh, it's just me and you, Tash, uh, which will be very, very fun as we talk all things rugby league. So uh, no, t- no time to waste. Me and you like a chat about rugby league. Let's uh, jump into the listener question. And it's a pretty pretty simple one um, that I've picked up here in our DMs and is who will win the premiership in 2022? Well, Dan, as good as the Panthers were last year, Everyone knows how hard it is to go back-to-back and, you know, no one wants to see the Storm or the Roosters or the Panthers. I'm giving some love out there. They haven't won a premiership since 1986 and that's 36 years ago and that's nearly as old as I am. Uh, No, I'm a bit older. (laughs) But um, I'm going for, if you haven't guessed, Parramatta. And the reason I'm doing this, it's not just to give the love out to the para fans, it's also the fact that on paper they have the the least disrupted squad of all the teams. Now, I know that, um, you know, they're going to lose some of those great players, but not till 2023. So we're just talking about 2022. um, And I just think like Mitchell Moses and Dylan Brown, that's they're another year into their halves partnership. Um, Gutho is going to be supported by Junior Polo as captain, so he can focus more and be the, the the best fullback that he can be with a little bit of that lifted from his shoulders. Um, I think Mitch Moses is set to have a big year, um, and a lot of people are tipping him for the Dally M Player of the Year. So I'm going right out there and going para 2022 premiers. I like that, and I think that'll be pretty popular out there in Western Sydney. But, no, I, I think it, it's pretty interesting because there's a little bit of doom and gloom around the, the, the club during the off-season because, you're right, they're going to lose some players in 2023. But, uh, you know, 2022, it, it's it's a different ball game. You know, they're going to roll out the same team. But, um, you know, they're, they're sort of, as you mentioned, they're at a position where they've got the right age group within, within, their, within their squad. You know, players like Mitchell Moses, Dylan Brown, you know, if they can level up this year, um, I, I think they could. I think they could be a shout. And this is a this is a very consistent football team. We've got to remember that um, sits in the top four each and every year. All right, look for me. It's a it's a tricky one. I, you know, and I've kind of I've flipped between these two clubs. Uh, for me, I think the Sydney Roosters are a little bit of a dark horse, but I've just shied away from it a little bit because I just feel like it might be um, a little bit too soon for for some of their key younger players. Um, I was just so impressed by, you know, the Sam Walkers and four, five, six other juniors who probably debuted a little bit earlier than what uh, Robo would have liked. But, you know, probably I'm more looking at them, maybe a 2023 contender. Um, So I'm headed over, or I'm heading down to Victoria, to the Melbourne Storm. And, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, Tasha, everyone would roll their eyes and said, okay, that's a bit of a vanilla take. But, you know, I guess the shine has kind of worn off the Melbourne Storm a little bit at the moment. You know, the Penrith Panthers are kind of the new shiny toy. And uh, similar to what you were talking about, Tasha, I feel like the Storm, they're going to be absolutely decimated, um, you know, in, in terms of their in terms of their forward pack in 2023. So this has got very much like a, 
you know, like a last dance um, sort of situation for Melbourne. So I just think that Craig Bellamy, he's going to know that this is a really good opportunity for him to win another premiership. Um, and it's always a good opportunity for me to give a little bit of love to the Melbourne Storm when Dana is not on the show. So uh, <laughs> there we go. Parramatta Eels and the Melbourne Storm to win the premiership. Uh, who do you think will win? Uh, shoot us through something on the socials and uh, we can debate that one. All right, let's jump into our first segment for tonight, All Ball. Every franchise has had tons of great players and legendary personalities, but who stands out above the rest? Is Cameron Smith, this outstanding leader. Thurston, he hits it, he's yes! got it! He's got the field goal! Andrew Jock, inside for Melba. He just knew something special was going to happen. Yeah, and this week in our All Ball Player in Focus series, we continue with our Legend series, uh, and this is uh, some player. Tash, this week we're going to focus in on the great Greg Inglis, and uh, you know, let's sort of take it all the way back to your first early memories of GI. I remember coincidentally, I was uh, I was just on the couch, you know, watching watching a random Melbourne Storm game, and um, the reason I was watching it is Billy Slater was out, um, and you know, this new kid who. You know, we'll touch on his links to the Hunter and the Newcastle Knights later. It still pains me to this day. But, you know, I, I guess from the moment that he stood on, that he stepped onto the football field for the Melbourne Storm, you knew that this guy was a little bit different. Yeah, for sure. Like, I remember him as a skinny little teenager at 5'8 for the Storm, then transform into the powerhouse fullback he was at South. It's, um, yeah, it's, an interesting, uh, it's an interesting note you've got there about him sort of changing the mold of players, you know, like he, he sort of, he sort of came through as, as a player who could really play anywhere. You know, you had Billy Slater at fullback, so he wasn't going to get his hands on that fullback role, um, you know, and played, you know, wing center. You're right. We're going to talk about that move to five, eight, which, you know, not a lot of people could have handled, but he, he just, he brought so much to his game, that big athletic, um, you know, sort of player. The, the only, the only player I could kind of compare him to, but, you know, I don't think, um, you know, he'd mind me saying that GI is probably that next level was Mal Meninga. You know, a player who in the outside backs was just that physical. He had the physicality of a of, of a forward, uh, the agility of of a fullback, and the smarts of a half. I mean, it was a, it was a pretty rare and deadly combination. Yeah, certainly. Well, the fact that he could cover all those positions, and you know, I said that he was skinny little teenager when he started, but. He certainly developed his strength and conditioning and became unstoppable with that power and speed. It's interesting when you, uh, you know, when you reflect on GI's early career there at Melbourne, uh, unbelievable statistics, played 118 games for the Melbourne Storm from 2005 through to 2010, scored 78 tries, which is some uh, success rate. And, you know, I guess, Tash, my question to you is how much credit does GI get for some of that success, and we know there was a couple of titles um, taken away and things like that, but how much success um, should be attributed to GI? I mean, I know you've got some of the greatest players down there in Cameron Smith and Billy Slater and Cooper Cronk and Craig Bellamy, but, you know, in, in some really key moments, GI stood up really big for, for, for the Melbourne Storm. Yeah, he sure did. And the very fact that all those names you just rattled off, it's very easy to forget that, you know, GI was there for the Storm and he was so very, very important to many of their um, successes and he's a, you know, try-scoring machine. Um, I think people mostly remember him in his latter days. 
So they tend to maybe forget about the storm days. Forget about his uh, early career, that's for sure. Well, he just, I mean, you're watching uh, him in that purple jersey and it was just success because, you know, they were, if they weren't winning the premiership, they were uh, getting very, very close. But uh, Tash, the other thing that uh, GI was a little bit handy at was representative football. Now, me and you, we're probably two of the most passionate New South Wales Blues supporters that you'll find. Uh, let's start to dig in slowly uh, because it is quite painful to talk about some of the impact that GI had at state of origin level because, you know, there has been some great players put on that Maroons jersey, but, you know, not too many have had the impact that GI has had at that level. Yeah, I know. I hate it because he's a Queenslander, but because I love athleticism, um, he absolutely dominated that centre position for not only Queensland, but, you know, for Australia for over a decade. Like, that's quite significant. And, you know, yes, he punished us as New South Welshmen, but, um, yeah, amazing to be able to dominate those key positions of um, Queensland and Australia representative for over a decade. Yeah, it, it's pretty incredible because, you know, when you when you step out on the field in state of origin, I mean, I could only imagine what that would have been like for these elite players. But, you know, you go out there and you perform, but GI was able to dominate at that level. I mean, it's just hard in, in, in an era of... Billy Slater, Cameron Smith, Cooper Cronk, JT, um, and New South Wales weren't, weren't uh, you know, they were pretty handy themselves. Despite all of those losses throughout all of those years, you know, a lot of the times those games, those series were decided between two and four points. So in an era of some of the greats of our game, GI really stood on top and, you know, was able to just break, um, you know, break apart the game and, um, yeah, absolutely spectacular. Um, Tash, you know, just from a, a rugby league purist perspective, let's talk about, um, you know, Craig's decision in his early Melbourne and storm days to shift him into the halves. Can you just paint a picture as to how difficult it is to just throw a half jersey at someone, whether it be six or seven, and say, "Go and run a, you know, go, go and go and run the side around." It's uh, let, let's say it's a little bit different to playing in the outside backs. Yeah, it sure is, it, it, and it puts so much extra pressure on on you if you're in the halves because you've got to make sure you're steering the team around. You've got to make sure where the set of six ends. You've got to select which kick you're going to do. Um, but, you know, he, he, he was a great ball player, um, you know, and, and he's super strong defender and you need those two assets also um, in the halves. And he, and he had a great running game as well. So yeah, big ask, but um GI took it all in his stride, it's literally. A, it's a wonder he ever passed the football, you know. He could just run over blokes. I think my, my mate Sowie wouldn't mind me saying that uh, there's a little bit of an infamous uh, uh, yeah, moment there with between him and GI, but uh, no, he was, yeah, he was someone uh, truly special. All right, Tash, let's fast forward now to 2011. Um, and, you know, sometimes, you know, in the off-season, you see a couple of players change clubs, and that, that's all part and parcel of the business of rugby league. But... You know, rarely do we see the game's absolute elite move clubs. That's quite rare. GI did it. GI moved. And the Brisbane Broncos, they must be, I mean, they must be still regretting, um, you know, I, I guess the, the collapse of, of the Broncos deal because in, in another universe, um, GI would have been a Brisbane Bronco. Yeah. And look, I mean, Brisbane has that great reputation of keeping their players and the great culture um, that they develop. And we, even with the girls, we talk about the loyalty and the professionalism and how they all want to stay there. And I just don't know how 
the Brisbane Broncos um, could possibly let that talent go. And yeah, you're right; they're they're still probably ruining the day. Yeah, it's uh, you know, it's it's something that's going to hurt them for sure. But Tash, um, reflecting on where he actually did land, uh, South Sydney, Redfern. I, I mean, it, it it goes for me. It goes beyond the football. We're gonna we're gonna talk about you know what what uh, GI's impact was on the South Sydney Rabbitohs as a club. But let's take a moment to talk about off the field. You know, GI was one of the most you know, legendary Indigenous players in our game. And to go to a club like South Sydney that has such a rich history in and around that Redfern area, it just seemed like the perfect match. You know, despite seeing him in that Melbourne Storm jersey for years and years and years, you know, the second he, he wore the, 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 green and, the green and red, it was, um, yeah, it just seemed like the perfect match. I think I think so. Um, like I, everybody remembers him celebrating, um, you know, with that Goanna crawl. Um, a very proud Indigenous man and a really great fit for the Rabbitohs. And you know, well, we all know that at his best was fullback there, um, and you know, he got them the premiership in two thousand fourteen. I think it's it's a credit to him for you know stepping out of his comfort zone. You know what I mean? Like he could have continue to play alongside Billy Slater for his entire career and almost concede that, you know, Billy Slater is a better player than me. You know what I mean? Like play that secondary role. But for him to have the confidence to say, no, I, I want to I test myself out. I want to go to a new club, a new environment. I want the number one jersey. I want to be fullback, and I want to lead a club. It was, it was, it was pretty bold. And um, you know, we we let, let's let's talk about the impact that he did have on the South Sydney Rabbitohs. Tash, you know, when, when he joined 2011, you know, they things were starting to turn around. Obviously, we're now talking about the Russell Crowe era. You know, buying South Sydney, starting to, I guess, bring a, a different level of professionalism to the club, but. You know, whilst whilst that was happening on the field, they were still struggling to really, you know, establish themselves as one of the the top clubs. Um, you know, Greg Greg Inglis was really the the you know he is an historic signing for that club. Sam Burgess obviously came in later and was another key signing there. But you'd have to say Greg Inglis arriving in South Sydney, it effectively turned around that club. Yeah, it sure did. Well, like we've we've mentioned, um, you know, within three years. You know, GI scores the winning try in in the grand final in 2014 for the Rabbitohs. So, you know, we talk about three years being a long time, but it's really not in rugby league. And to be able to turn that team around, I'm not saying it was just GI, but I'm sure you had a huge influence on that. He's a he's a leader on the team. I think the players look up to him. He's a, he's um, a very professional um, athlete, and so all that sort of brings with it a good culture, brings with it a good team, and it culminated just three years later with a premiership in yeah. 2014. 2014, South Sydney fans finally get what they, you know, and, and, and it's it's hard to believe, you know, for some of our younger listeners, you know, we're talking about the most successful uh, NRL franchise uh, in history. The South Sydney Rabbitohs, believe it or not, have the most titles, but it had been such a significant drought. And, um, yeah, for them to win the premiership in 2014, it was incredible. And Tash... You know, we don't want to give all the credit to Greg Inglis, but what it did was, you know, it enabled them to recruit. It enabled them to bring in 
new players. It enabled them to sign their juniors. You know, South Sydney juniors, they were constantly leaving to other clubs. You know, if you've got a player like Greg Inglis in your roster, how easy is it for Russell Crowe to, uh, well, I was about to say put on the voice, but he doesn't have to put on the voice. Russell Crowe, get on the phone and say, you know, and, and, and you know, bring in Michael Maguire as a, as a you know, as a star up-and-coming coach. Um, you know, just talk a little bit about, you know, Greg Inglis's impact in terms of attracting all those players that came together to effectively win that premiership. Yeah, Dan, it is a thing in our great game that, you know, you don't want to go to a club, firstly, that's, that's you know, down the bottom of the ladder, and secondly, you know, you know that your representative career or from, from there on, it, if you don't have good players around you, even if you're a good player, you cannot really excel because, you know, it takes obviously more than one player to make a team. And having a name like GI... Good players attract good players. Little young'uns coming through the systems now have, at South Sydney, now have something to look up to. And nailing that premiership, yeah, it was a big turnaround for South Sydney and they can attract the great players, keep their juniors and, well, look where they are today. And it's, uh, you know, and you just wonder, Tash, whether, you know, that, that sort of, that sort of culture that he built, uh, whether that led to, you know, uh, Latrell Mitchell signing with the club from from the Roosters, you know, sort of really bringing that that Indigenous culture, that success and really establish themselves as a, as I guess, you know, one of the most dynamic uh, clubs in the NRL. Um, no, he, his, his impact there at the club is long lasting. Um, Taj, you know, one of the things, you know, you would say is that, you know, he played the game in a very, very physical manner. It was kind of predictable, unfortunately, that G.I. would have some battles towards the back end of his career. But, you know, I, I think, you know, despite him having some sort of injuries and, and that towards the back end, end of his career, my memories of Greg Inglis on the football field will just be pure dominance and uh, and pure success. What about, what about yourself, thinking about those last couple of years for G.I.? Yeah, look, absolutely. He, he was such a physical presence. Um, and, of course, that's going to bring with it some injuries. And they, they hampered him in the... In, in the latter stages of uh, his NRL career. Um, but he still managed to produce, you know, breathtaking moments of brilliance. Maybe they weren't there for the 80 minutes, but he still had that in him. And um, it was more than two years after he retired that he he made his debut in Super League. Yeah, um, absolutely. No, he, he, he kind of, I, I guess, you know, when you're, when you're a competitor such as GI, you you know, he obviously knew that he retired a little bit early. You know, wasn't able to really, you know, make that a success over in Warrington due to the body giving out on him. But, um, no, definitely, you know, he, you know, to be honest, he created two careers. You know, if he had retired after his Melbourne Storm career, that would have been enough. And then to go on what he did at uh, South Sydney and all of his representative football, um, an incredible, incredible career there from GI. All right, Tars, just quickly, the question I've got for you is what does this look like for GI's future you know, one day there's going to be the immortal discussion. And I guess, you know, there's so many current players who I think are probably, you know, might be ahead of him. But, you know, do you think there'll come a day where, you know, potentially Greg Inglis, he's definitely going to be voted into the Hall of Fame. But could you see GI one day be voted an immortal? What are your thoughts? Absolutely. He's one of the all-time greats. He's... um you know, a great ambassador to the game. He played many different positions. He excelled in those, winning Dally M Awards in different positions. Um, he's He will definitely be in the discussion to become an immortal in the future. 
Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. And it's, uh, you know, as a New South Wales supporter, not sad to see him, uh, uh, you know, I guess no longer terrorising us for Queensland. But, uh, yeah, definitely going to miss him. But he definitely left a legacy in the game. And I think there's quite a few players who are sort of building their games off GI. So, yeah, an incredible, incredible athlete, um, incredible player and an incredible person as well. All right, let's jump into our next segment for tonight, the match. The most anticipated match in history, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, let's get ready to rumble! All right, Tash, let's jump in. Well, let's jump up to Townsville, uh, to the North Queensland Cowboys. And, you know, there's a little bit of doom and gloom around the franchise at the moment. I don't know, you know, I don't know why. They've got that beautiful stadium up there. But, you know, there's, there's just a lot of negativity around the club at the moment. You know, a lot of people are sort of expecting them to struggle. There were some battles with Jason Tamalolo, but uh, let, let's hope to give them, uh, you know, let's hope to give some fans um, a little bit of faith this year as we uh, highlight two of their key superstars in Hamaso Tobai Fadao and Valentine Holmes. Uh, Tash, let's start with Valentine Holmes because, you know, very interesting player, isn't he? You know, he, you know, we'll talk, we'll talk a little bit about, you know, what he was able to do at Cronulla and then just casually, decides to go and join another sport, which is, you know, very rare in itself. But, um, yeah, talk to me a little bit about Val Holmes because, you know, as a young player, he, you know, and he even said so much in the media, he really achieved it all in the game at a a very, very young age. Yeah, he sure did. And it's interesting that we were just speaking about the great GI and how he was able to excel in in different positions. But, uh, you know, Val Holmes, he's another really talented player and he had that talent from a very young age. Uh, he could play multiple positions, you know, centre, wing, fullback. He was a try-scoring freak for the Sharks. Um, he won them a premiership, you know, uh, in 2016. Um, but I really think 2017 was a breakout year. You know, he scored on de- debut for Australia. Um, so, yeah, great talent. Um he also scored, and I know we were just talking about GI, but he also scored for um, on debut for Queensland against us. So, geez, you're really hammering me with the New South Wales <laughs> Queensland stuff today, Dan. It's uh, you know, and, and and you just get a you just wonder, Tash, whether he just got bored. You know, he 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 came into the NRL, dominated, won a premiership, dominated at state level, uh, you know, and and at, and at the national level for the Australian Kangaroos as well. Um, so he gets bored and then decides, you know, I'm going to go over and test myself in the NFL. Now, um, you know, a bit of a bit of a plug here from Mojo Sports. Uh, we cover the NFL in great detail. Please go and check out our NFL show. But, um, Tasha, I'll, I'll just take the mic here quickly uh, just to explain some of the complexities with the NFL. It is difficult. It is difficult for American athletes. You know, you've got to think about th- this is the 1% of the 1% of the 1% in terms of high school, college and then professional American athletes. So, you know, putting that into perspective for an Australian athlete to, you know, head over to America and do what most high school um, football players cannot, what most college players cannot, and what a lot of professional players fail at, you know, for, for Valentine Hones to make the squad there for the New York Jets, it's incredible. And Tars, just, you know, it says a little bit about some of the Australian athletes that we have. And, you know, we've got Jordan Mailata over there at the moment, but, you um, you know, I, you know, despite, you know, people's thoughts on whether it was successful or not, the fact that Valentine Holmes was so successful in his rugby league career early and was even able to make a roster in the NFL, it's, uh, it's pretty special. Yeah, I don't see it as a failure at all, Dan. I mean, to, 
to they were making um, jerseys with his number on them, and they were selling out really, really quickly. He he was like successful in his NFL. Um, well, if you can call it career, um, just because he, he he generated that interest, he had to change his physique, and that's that's a big thing for an athlete to do because he had to be more, um, I guess, with the complexities of the NFL and the definite, you know, he needed to be more powerful rather than more endurance based, um, and he certainly did that. And his pace, I think, you know. It was a success, him going over. When he came back, he didn't really quite capture the same form he had when he left, um, but he still managed to make that Queensland team, which shows how good he is. Yeah, it's pretty incredible to think, you know, like he's done that, Tash, you know, all the early career with Cronulla. He's gone over and done his American thing, you know, just casually joined the New York Jets. Uh, and then he's come back to the game and... and you know, I guess we're, we're sort of judging him at a very high bar, and we'd say he struggled, you know what I mean? Comparative to other players in the competition, he's been fantastic, but we know we haven't seen the best of Valentine Hones. Tash, I'm looking at his age. He's still only 26 years of age. You know, Cody Walker only just debuted and started his career at the age of 26. So um, to your point around him, you know, I, I guess that's what we're hearing coming out of Todd Payton and the Cowboys camp is, for the first time, they really feel like Valentine Holmes has got his body back where it needs to be for the NRL. And, you know, here you go. You've got a 26-year-old with all this experience. Um, you know, it bodes well for Valentine Holmes to have a bit of a um, bounce-back season in 2022. Yeah, look, I really hope he does. And, you know, there's talk around that he's got that physique back. He's got that mindset that, uh, the you know, NRL game really requires. And, Look, for the North Queensland Cowboys, I really hope that Val Holmes finds his form and maybe lifts it another gear for them next year. I think that would, uh, yeah, I think they would absolutely love that to happen. All right, well, let's jump over and talk about his competitor tonight, and that is Hamaso. That is the hammer. And Taj, I guess, you know, Hamaso was a really important uh, player for the North Queensland Cowboys because. You think about some of the players that they've lost in in recent times. They lost JT uh, through his retirement. They lost Michael Morgan through retirement. They lost Kalen Ponga to the Newcastle Knights. They they you know took a big risk with Valentine Holmes. He's taken some time to sort of find his feet. You know the emergence of Hamaso, I just feel like was so important for that local area because you know it, it's it's been a little bit of a challenge when it comes to you know the Cowboys over the last couple of seasons. Yeah, look, he, the hammer really burst onto the scene. Um, I think it was in the 2020 Auckland Nines and his pace was just phenomenal. So he really put his, you know, made, made selectors notice. Um, he finished equal top try scorer for the tournament. Um, and it's hard to believe, but he didn't make his de- debut for the Cowboys and till 2020 but into it like round five um and then he was still named you know the cowboys rookie of the year um he made his origin debut in game three just last year 2021 um and looks set to hold his spot for quite a few years to come yeah, I, I think Hamaso's got those sort of investment vibes about him. You know, when you think about the club where they're trying to sort of hide him a little bit, I, I, I noticed that too. They didn't sort of debut him too young like they've done with Kalen Ponga and a few others. They kind of kept him back for a little bit. And 
I guess when you think about, you know, yes, him breaking in the state of origin and, and sort of where he's been so far in the early stages of his career, it's the Cowboys knowing that they've got a very, very special talent. They've got a very, very special athlete. But Tash, he did have a few things that he needed to clean up. And, you know, basically, like a lot of young players, needed to learn the game. Um, my question for you is where do you see his future? Um, because athletically, you know, he, he could play anywhere. He could play fullback, centre, wing. Where would you like to see him play in 2022 to try and get the best out of him? Well, I can I can still see him just with that cracking pace. Um, he scored so many tries. Um, but I'm still putting him on the wing. And... You know, it's not the wing like the wing back in the 80s or whatever. The wing is a specialised position and the wing is so important and lots and lots of tries are scored there and he's just burns for pace. So respectable wing position for him. Yeah, no, it's going to be interesting. And to be honest, the right answer is wherever he's going to score the most points and have the most impact. And I think that's where... You know, that's where Todd's still learning his his system. He's still learning his roster. He's still learning his players. And, um, you know, they've got a few new playmakers there. Um, Tommy did, and I, I think he's had a... He's had a pretty rough career so far. I think a full preseason, I think, will be great for him. Scott Drinkwater, fantastic talent. And Chad Townsend going up there as the veteran playmaker, um, co-captain, I think will be fantastic for him. All right, Taj, you know, we say this every week, but these matches are, well, they're very, very difficult. Uh, this week in particular, though, this is this is a this is a real challenge. Um, what's your thoughts? Who, who are you going here in terms of the match, the Hammer or Val Holmes? Well, I'm going to go with Val Holmes just because he's got more experience at this stage uh, of their careers. Um, Hamiso has the potential, but Holmes already has the runs on the board. I mean, like we didn't even mention all those records in the World Cup. I think 27 tries or. You know, just amazing. So just for that, for now, I'm going Val Holmes. It's so difficult. It's so difficult. And we don't have Dana here to uh, to, to set a bit of a tiebreaker. Look, I, I, I think they're neck and neck. Um, I, I really do. I think right now at this second, I think Hamaso might just have Val Holmes, but we've just spoken about it. You know, the, I think the preseason is going to be so important for Val Holmes to – you know, I guess get himself really back into rugby league fitness and rugby league shape. So I, I think the answer to this match will be sorted within the first month of football. But again, cannot sit on the fence. I'm going to go with Hamaso just to uh, um, just to throw things a little bit different. Um, yeah, he's electric, a little bit faster than Valentine Holmes, and will be very very interesting to see where they play him this year. Well, what's interesting too, Dan, is that um, he was out for six weeks. He had to go an emergency appendectomy. So how he bounces back will be very, very interesting after a full preseason and then into this year. Um, yeah, I can see why it was a tough decision, but I'm, I'm still going homes. All right, let's jump into our final segment for tonight, Rapid Fire. And we're going to talk all about that and a whole bunch of other things. What you need to know tonight. Your apologies to Matt Damon. We ran out of time for him tonight. We'll get him on the air again soon. Oh, my boss is saying closing time. Maybe that's what you're doing. Yeah, and Tash, we continue with our Legends series. And the question I've got for you in Rapid Fire is who is your favorite all-time Sydney Roosters player Again, a lot to choose from, but um, there there are a couple of players that really stand out when you think about some of the legends that have pulled on that jersey. Yeah, Dan, I'm so happy to be able to talk about this legend of the game, um, Artie Beetson. Like, I didn't get to see a lot of Artie in action, but what I have seen, it, it's like it's been iconic. 
you know, he was, you hear this being bandied around a lot, but he struggled a bit with his weight, but he really was a halfback in a prop's body. Um, he, he was such, so big, strong, powerful, but had silky, smooth hands. And, you know, you don't get that just every day. I also love the fact that he was a bit of a larrikin. Um, he was sent off 12 times. Uh, and I love his legacy, you know, it still lives on today. Um, so, yeah, Artie Beetson, my favourite retired rooster. Oh, he's a, you know, you talk about legend, you know, you just wonder whether that that term's enough uh, for, for Artie. He's, uh, he's, he's done so much. And, Tash, I was just looking at a, a bit of an interesting statistic here too and something that's a little bit close to your heart. Um, we talk about, you know, uh, Greg Inglis earlier in the episode as a special Indigenous player. Um, Artie himself um, you know, first male um, Indigenous player to to Captain Australia. Tash, uh, I'll, I'll hand the mic over to you. Um, but, um, yeah, talk a little bit about your own background and your connection there to Artie because, um, you know, it, it is really special and, um, you know, it's made a big impact in the, in the game. Yeah, look, I'm nowhere near the great Artie Beetson. Um, I'm not on the same playing field, but I'm so proud to be able to say that we were both the first Indigenous players to have the privilege to captain, you know, the Australian National Rugby League team. So, yeah, I'm the first female Indigenous and Artie the first male. Yeah, Tasha, I think you're being a little bit modest there, but that, no, that's um, that, that's outstanding. You know, you think about, again, you think about the impact that that has and, and where the game's at now and, you know, the participation of our amazing Indigenous um, athletes that, that are playing in the competition. It's uh, it's truly, truly special. But uh, Artie Beats an absolute legend of the game. All right, well, Tash, it's pretty hard to uh, it's pretty hard to compete with that uh, with, when it comes to Artie Beats. And how about we go with another character and let's go with Brad Fittler uh, there at the Sydney Roosters. And we were talking off air about, you know, he was uh, he's such an amazing character in the game. People know him now. Um, you know, through his work during the media and some of the quirky things he does as the New South Wales State of Origin coach. But Tash, he was a serious trainer and a true professional. Like when you talk to some of his ex-teammates, he was he was all business when it came to football. And, you know, you just wonder, there's a, there's a few players like this who are a bit of a larrikin, um, but, you know, it, it certainly shouldn't undersell the amount of work that, and, the, yeah, the amount of work that they put into their game. And, uh yeah, Freddie Fittler, he was a pretty special player and uh, had quite a lot of success. And it was, um, you know, it, it was by no, I guess it wasn't a fluke, was it, in terms of uh, how much success Freddie had in his career? No, definitely not. And we all love the larrikin. I mean, but we cannot forget all the hard work that goes on behind it and the exceptional footy brain that Freddie has. So, you know, we talk about Arthur Beats, and I said he was, uh, you know, a halfback in a prop's body. So, but he certainly had a footy brain. And you know, Freddie Fittler is another one of those greats. And you know, he's still making effects today with his coaching and all that sort of stuff. So his legacy is is still being made. Yeah, that's right. I, I think his ability to kind of stand out when there were quite a few legends in and around that playmaker position, you know, during his era. But, yeah, Freddie certainly stood out, you know, amongst the very, very top during that time. So, yeah, there we go. A couple of uh, very, very special Sydney Roosters. And, uh, yeah, let's see whether the Sydney Roosters themselves in 2022 can have a successful season. 
All right, guys. Well, that's all the time we have tonight. Tars, just want to thank you for uh, for another great episode. Always bringing the heat as we talk all things rugby league. And to our listeners, we really do appreciate your support. All things are about to ramp up here at Mojo Sports for the NRL 2022 season. So help us grow. Share the podcast with family and friends. Until next week, we'll see you then. You have been listening to Mojo Sports. Thank you for your support. It is very much appreciated. The team and I are trying to build something a little different here, so everyone's support is very much appreciated. Continue to support the podcast, download, subscribe, check out our social media channels, give us a follow, and be sure to tell your friends about Australia's best-kept secret. This is Mojo Sports.